Episode 19, Streets and Scholars. Thanks for tuning in and listening to another banger. I'm Alex Alonso. I'm here with FG. What's going on, man? What's going on with you, Alex? Man, I'm just, uh, actually, I was in court earlier today. Right, right. How did it go? It was going pretty good, man. And um, a little bit, and a little bit, we could talk about it. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that Nipsey Hussle case. Eric Holder's on trial and uh, the prosecution still has the case but uh let's go through a couple of updates on some topics that we've been talking about throughout the whole uh, streets and scholars podcast uh, we've been tapping in with bill cosby and uh jury just came back on his case man man that's crazy man <laughs> you know what i mean i was expecting him to come with a better outcome yeah man the a jury found him guilty of doing whatever this woman judith huff said that he did back in 1974 or 1975. Man, it don't matter. That's a long-ass <laughs> time ago, and that's, hey, man, that's, that's I, I was rooting for him on this one. I thought because the timeline got altered, that would take credibility, that, that would bring up a credibility issue on her part, but apparently it wasn't uh, enough for the jury to, um, to, to disregard it. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, 1975, all these years ago on, on a fondling case, basically. And um, and, and this is what, what you know, 30, 40 years later, you know, 40 plus years later. I, I, I just don't feel that. Yeah, uh, I, I thought there would be a statute of limitations on, on something like this. But apparently this was here in California, Playboy Mansion. Yeah, no doubt. So you could you could sue somebody for doing some sort of sexual harassment or sexual. You, you said fondling, but um, was was there another term that they use? No, but basically what they said was that uh, he uh, basically um, stuck his hand in her pants or had her stick her hand in his pants. Yeah. You know, it wasn't no penetration or nothing like that. It wasn't a rape. You know what I mean? Um, they still called it a sexual assault. But on the timeline, uh, if it's a minor. They changed that law to where it's like a murder now. No statute of limitations if it's a minor. Well, she was awarded Mr. Cosby, um, from Mr. Cosby, liable for damages and awarded $500,000, but no punitive compensation. So 500000 in Bill Cosby's world is not a whole lot of money. It's not, you know, not to mention she got to pay her attorneys, you know what I mean? She just got, she going to run off with 300000 250 at the end of the day, you know, for her to go through all that and all these years. Hey, I mean, it's a paycheck, but at the end of the day, man, you know. Yeah, she, she filed this lawsuit in 2014. So let's just say she gets uh, $300,000 mm -hmm. and uh, this happened in this happened eight years ago do me a favor uh, three hundred thousand dollars divided by by eight um and whatever that number is that's what she got per year per year since, yeah, since yeah. she filed this lawsuit it made me think about um i got sued no i sued the owner of a property mm -hmm. and it took uh, what, what is the number Thirty-seven five. Thirty-seven thousand so, dollars. She made thirty-seven thousand dollars. Worked at Walmart and got there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so I, I think about it that way because I, I had sued some the owner of a, of this apartment building mm -hmm. once, and at the end of the day, I was given twenty-five thousand. Mm -hmm. But it was a lawsuit that got dragged out for about three years. Damn. So when you think about it, I got twenty five thousand minus a third of that, 
at the end of the day, the three years that I grinded on this lawsuit, it really wasn't worth it. Wasn't worth it, yeah. But I mean, when you get a, a check, you know, a and check for 25, yeah, it, yeah, it seems yeah. like, oh, I got some money. Right, but when you go do the math and the numbers, yeah. Yeah, you do the math and you do the numbers on that, you know, it's, it's some crumbs for those three years no that, that I was doing it. So it's some, something similar here. She's going to get $37,000 a year for all the work that she's been putting in on this case for the last eight. But it's, for some of these women, it's more than money. It's about this Me Too movement, and it's about holding men accountable for violating women. You know what? I I, I would ride with you on that if she didn't take 40 years to do it. You, <laughs> yeah. know, you know, and that's the whole thing about me, you know, so I really don't, I mean, I can't say I don't have no sympathy on, on the situation if it, you know, happened what she won. So if it happened back then, you know, but at the same time, she waited all this time, I, I really don't feel that. People go on and move on with their lives and stuff like that, and this comebacks to haunt you, you know, 40 some years later, I, like I said, I just don't feel the timeline. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's a little tardy. It's a little tardy. All right. Um, you know, about a week ago, Suge Knight was actually in court. He was. A lot yeah. of people didn't know about this because it wasn't really publicized. Right, right. People wasn't talking about it, but he's in court. He was in court for the family of Terry Carter suing him for, um, being responsible for the death of Terry Carter. Right, right, right. OG Pyro from the West Side. No doubt. Did you homie. ever meet him back in the day? No doubt. Terry Carter, yeah, that was a big homie for sure. Yeah. Uh, I heard a lot of good things about him, but I've met a lot of brothers that didn't like him too. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. You know, you're going to have that when you're having that money and you a, a presence. You know, yeah. you're going to have that. So it comes to both ends. Now, he got involved in the music business back in the day, I think, with Ice Cube, and he had a bit... Um, uh, a label called Heavyweight. Heavyweight. You know, when I had my nightclub, the Red Velvet, they uh, they had Short Chop back then. I don't know if you remember Short I Chop. I remember the name yeah. Short Chop. So Heavyweight and uh, Wacko and Chip and, and all them brought uh, uh, um, Short Chop to the club to perform for me, man. You know, we had a real good time. He got down, did his thing, you know. Is Short, Stop, Short, Short Chop still around? You know what? After that song, that was a hot song. You know, of course it was with Cube, you know, but after that, I never heard nothing from him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he got heavy involved in the music business, and then some years after that, I think he sued Ice Cube and came up on a half a mil. Oh, did he? Or four hundred thousand half yeah, a yeah, mil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I guess he dabbled in entertainment throughout the years, um, but uh, his family sued. Suge. Well, actually, his family's tried to sue everybody. Right, right. They sued Universal. Mm -hmm. They sued Dre and Ice Cube. Um, I think there was a couple other lawsuits, and they lost them all. Right. And then they decided we're going to sue Suge, a guy that's doing 28 years in prison with no access to money. Right. So I'm a little um, wondering why they did it. But nevertheless, they sued him and a jury found Suge Knight responsible for the death of Terry Carter. And they awarded the family $81 million in the wrongful death lawsuit. No doubt, man. That's a lot of money that they'll never see. Yeah, I don't think they're going to see In my opinion, it. you know. That's true. Um, it's It kind of reminds me of of um oj simpson when they sued when the goldman family and the, the brown family sued oj right after he was found not guilty mm -hmm. and they awarded that them 33 million 33 million yeah and i heard the father goldman speaking saying they only received so far like um a few thousand dollars damn yeah out of the 33 million but oj does a good job at avoiding it 
where you know what you could place your money in certain uh, uh, positions where it can't be touched. I think they couldn't mess with his retirement or something. It was one of his funds they couldn't mess with. They can't mess with his NFL pension. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, twenty five thousand yeah. a month, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets that for the rest of his life. Right, right, right. And he moved to Florida to where they don't mess with your property. Got you. I heard. I guess in California, if you own a house, mm. they can come after your oh, house. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. So I guess he learned from the attorneys. The attorneys. Yeah. And he said, "Hey, where can I live?" And and they can't get my house, Florida. All right, I'm moving to Florida. Florida, Florida He's been yeah. in Florida ever since, except for the time he had to go to jail. For yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So it's the same thing with Suge. Um, but, you know, Suge is still trying to make deals. Suge is still trying to do things. I heard that there's a movie that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Kenner was involved. Actually, Kenner defended him in this case. He did. And lost. But also, Kenner was trying to do a deal with him to do his movie similar to Straight Outta Compton. Right, I'm wondering how that's going to work out now, if it even can work out. Well, you know, a movie like that is definitely going to make money. No doubt. But how does Suge get any of that money when he's got this $80 million uh, lawsuit against him now? Right. Well, I mean, you know, um, I don't want to, sp- I don't have no intel, yeah. you know. Well, what would FG yeah. do? Me personally, yeah. I would sell it to David Kenner for dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. And once it's David Kenner's, he own it. Now, they could take a cut off whatever I uh, got from David Kenner. You know what I mean? If I sold him the story for $10,000, y'all can get eight or nine of it or whatever, and David Kenner go make all this money, and he would trust him that he would take care of his family. That's what he would have probably have to do to make it happen. And I guess David Kenner is someone he can trust because this dude's been around for and this dude, years. And this dude been, you know what I mean? Me personally, I still think David Kenner got some money and he has put up somewhere. So so you would entrust David Kenner to do your movie, but then tell him, um, I guess it's got to be like a, a gentleman's agreement no doubt no contracts no paper and say hey you're gonna have to pay my wife's uh, mortgage for right, the next right, 10 right, years right. with that money and you know whatever responsibilities you want him to do you would tell him to do it and i guess that's a way for him to avoid um having to pay the carter family money no doubt because he don't only owe the carter family he probably still owe lydia and them some money over there at um from the 107 million that she got awarded over there harry o's wife if people don't know who lydia is um so I'm sure he still owes some of that. So, I mean, he probably can't make a deal. They they buried him financially. Yeah, man, it's, it's it's a trip, man. Like, to a certain degree, you would think a guy like Suge Knight is like, I don't care about none of these lawsuits. I'm doing 28 years. But at the same time, you're still trying to take care of your family. No doubt. You got Even though you're in prison, and let's speak about this for a minute, even though you're in prison, you still need money in prison. No doubt. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people think that, oh, you go to the prison, you got three hots in the cot, and everything yeah. is, is smooth sailing. No, not at but, all. But what what is it like when you don't have money and you're in prison? It's, it's miserable, you know. And then some prisons, they may have a unicorn that you are able to take care of yourself. But then that's why some people smuggle drugs in. That's why some people gamble. That's why people, you know, iron and wash clothes for a living. You'll be surprised if some, of the, um, some people are legal beagles where mm-hmm. you know they'll file a motion front for you you know for a fee you know so um at the end of the day man you you'll be surprised how creative guys get but nonetheless you do need that money in there and also for like um do you have to pay for like toothpaste soap and other like necessities like that hell yeah and it's expensive you know it seemed like that it would be some kind of cap or some kind of look these are inmates you know what i mean and um and um Man, they just charge you up the ass for the same uh, 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 the same thing on the street, you know, with a, with a markup, you know. So, so in your cell though, there's certain things like toilet paper is always gonna be in your cell, right? You don't gotta pay for no that. No doubt, you don't, but you can. 
you, oh, you know, can. You yeah, can get different toilet paper yeah, if you yeah, want. If you don't want the rough stuff, you know <laughs> what I mean? You could go get some Charmin. If you, you know, if you balling like that, you yeah. know what I mean? You can go get you some Charmin and and uh, you'll be surprised what's on that list. It's so much shit on that list, Alex, that they really, this is a business. Don't forget, prison is a business. No you doubt. Know, for, no for doubt. investors. You know, you can go right now to the stock market and invest in the prison system. You know what I mean? So um, the people who do do that, you know, um, they, they don't want to see people get out of jail or they don't mind seeing people go to jail, even though you have to commit a crime to get there, you know. But those long sentences, they, they don't vote to shorten those long sentences based on this is their investment, you know. That's a trip that uh, you could even get your own toilet paper if you could afford to do so. Oh, no doubt, man. You'll be surprised what you can get on that commissary list. Like back in the day when I was in the state in the 90s, the list was like this long. Now this list got this damn long, you know what I mean? And and the things that's on it is just crazy. I mean, not stuff you don't need, but if you got the money, you can buy it. You like, know? for example, if I go to the, to the Ralph's Market down the street, I can buy a small pack of ramen for 33 cents. Mm -hmm. I can probably get four for a dollar. Right. In prison, the prices are different, right? The prices are different, you know, um, no doubt. They are a little lower than the county system. I'm hearing in the county jail, one noodle soup is is, is a dollar or damn near two or three dollars just for one soup. One, one small One package. small package, you know it's what I mean? over a dollar. Yeah, no doubt. And, and they raping them, man. It's just, you know, we are, they already doing time. You know, now, don't get me wrong, and when you get to prison, the prices do lower, but it's still, a they, they marking it up so much, man, that it's just like, damn, you want me to do time? And, I mean, if you gave me a restitution, now let me pay that, but don't don't hit me, you know, just trying to have my toothpaste, my deodorant, my soaps, my, you know, all the things that you, you need to have, you know? Now, I heard that the telephone system, uh, it doesn't cost as much as it used to cost for inmates where, you know, it used to be some crazy per minute charge. Right, right, right. Um, and I, I don't know who was involved in making this change, but apparently someone complained and said it's unfair for inmates to have to pay all this money if they want to make a collect call or if they want to call from, from jail. So at least in the state of California, that system has changed. What I wanted to ask you is, what was it like in the feds if you wanted to make a phone call? Was it expensive? Did they jack up the rates? Well, you get you back then. You only got three hundred minutes when I was in there. Now here you get five. Three hundred minutes per month. Per month. Okay. So that's a lot of dudes that by the fifteenth they're out of minutes. You know, can't make a phone call. I wasn't that guy. You know, you got to ration these things out, and I at least need two minutes on my last day of, on my twenty ninth day. I need two minutes at at the bare minimum. You never. So the three hundred minutes is free. No, the two three hundred minutes was just the time allotted. Now you had to pay for this three hundred minutes, which at that time, three hundred minutes probably was um, sixty seventy bucks, about sixty seventy bucks for the three hundred minutes. You know, during November and December you get an extra hundred minutes. You know, but of course that that's more money. You know, so not to mention, do you got to pay all this money on feed trying to feed yourself? You trying to make these phone calls, which stay in touch with your family, talk to your kids. You know. So it's expensive to do time. So when you're on that phone in the feds, are you managing the clock saying to yourself, OK, I got 300 minutes or OK, I only got 200 minutes or do you just just talk and you just let it go? No, you have phone calls in 15 minute increments. So you can only talk for 15 minutes and before you had to wait maybe another hour before you could use the phone again. But you can keep going back and forth all day if that's what you chose to do. You know, like I say, I seen dudes in day 10 
it's a wrap. They got to wait 20 days before they can even use the phone, you know. Can you sell your minutes to another inmate? You can't sell your minutes, but, you know, it's dudes who do work twists, you know what I mean, you know. And, uh, and, um, and uh, or the guys who never use the phone, because you have people who they don't be in touch with their family, you know, they don't. They don't. They can't afford to make a phone call. You know, it's people who work twists that for a dude who's never used his phone before. I'm gonna buy your minutes from you. You know what I mean? At a cool price. Say if, if I give you fifty bucks a month or something for your minutes, you know, and then I'm gonna be able to put in two different. I'm gonna use your number when I'm trying to call. You know, but you gotta be strategic because you can't have the same number on. Me and you can't have the same number on the, on on our list without them looking into that. You know what I mean? Okay, so you can't. An inmate, multiple inmates can be calling the same person? They can, but that raised the eyebrow. Okay. You know what I mean? You know, that raised the eyebrow. So say if I was to buy inmate minutes, I would have my wife have another phone. I'm going to use his minutes for that number. I'm going to use my minutes for this number to never raise the eyebrow. You know what I mean? And so. every call you make in the feds, that that number has to be approved before you even call that person. No right? doubt. But this ain't nothing but a bubble scantron form that you turn in. And all they really doing is just adding a number to your... It's not like they checking the number like that, you know, but computers say that the guy over here in H unit and, and the guy in C unit is calling the same number. That would make them go listen to the call to mm. see if any transactions is being made within the prison. You know what I mean? So if they hear both voices on the same line, then they know that this dude bought another guy's minutes, you know. So that's why I say about the raising eyebrows. You can get away with it all day long. But, you know, you don't want to raise no eyebrows, you know. Is there any restrictions on someone calling on a three-way for another person so that you could actually tap in with two, three, four people for making one call from prison? Yeah, no doubt. But at the same time, uh, they'll shut the, just, the, the phone itself will, will de detect a couple voices and it'll hang up on its own. You know, you got new computer shit now, you know. But what you do is say, if I wanted my wife to call you, when I, when I called her, and I'm talking to her, she'll, she'll click over and call you and say, hold on, Alex right here, he want to talk to you. And then you'll just come in on the phone and she say, hey, bro, like you right there with her, and we'll chop it up. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's just a little it's technical, but it got to get done because you need to talk to people. You yeah. know? And I don't think that um, most of America or the rest of the world who who's not in touch with people that are on the inside understand the cost of being an inmate. I mean, everything uh, costs. What about, uh, like, clothes? Do you, do you, what if you're wearing just prison clothes, though? Do they have... I mean, but you want to go to the yard. You need sweats. You need tennis shoes. You need, you know, you may not, you know, um, care to wear those boxers that they give out. You might want to go buy you some briefs, you know what I mean? Because you shoot hoop or, you know, whatever. You just want to be a little more comfortable. They have everything you can go buy, you know? And like I say, and that reason they provide it for us is to make money, not to just basically accommodate us, you know? And, uh, but yeah, you're going to have a couple pair of tennis shoes. And, you know, and that was the dumb shit we was doing when we first got in there because we all had a bunch of money when we went. You know, we got three or four brand new pair of shoes under our bed. Shit, where the hell are we going? <laughs> Take some pictures and shit. You know, it was ridiculous. You know what I mean? So, but by the end, you down four or five years, you started to only need, you had a necessity because you didn't need all that extra shit. Yeah. So, so th there is. There is some reason why Suge would be wanting to make deals and trying to make money because just because you're in jail don't mean you don't need any money. No, no doubt. And it get hard. You know what I mean? Because you got to think that, to be honest with you, it still take $300, $400 a month to live in jail if you're trying to just be slightly comfortable. Not balling, but slightly comfortable. It take two, $300, you know, a month. 
you know, 70 on the call, you know, um, you got a store limit like 300 back then, you know, you talking about that was 300 a month. That don't last you, um, you know, that don't, that don't do shit. Think about it. We, you probably, we probably buy groceries, you know, now 300 ain't shit, you know what I mean? (laughs) But, but at the same time, so yeah, guy would be wanting to try to make all the deals he can make, you know, if he got the opportunity. So that means that that if a baller ends up in prison, especially in the feds, uh, a lot of other inmates are going to kind of gravitate towards this dude because he might start looking out for people that's in his circle. Yeah, no, no doubt. I had this white boy come through, man, never forget name Mike, man. And Mike wasn't a gangbanger at all. Mike was a businessman. How he got on that yard, he might have had a $20 million. Um, something went wrong. He was, he was a baller, a real one, you know. And uh, my wife used to see his wife in the parking lot in Bentleys and shit. I mean, he had it, you know. Matter of fact, we got super cool because of the status that I had in the unit and on the yard. You know, we was cool, you know. But what he used to do is he'd take money and put it on the the, the white boy shot caller books, feed them to keep you know everybody else off of him. You know what I mean? And I never forget we was kind of, my my wife and his wife had got cool in the visiting room. So I guess his wife was telling him about about us and stuff. And they see the kids and stuff. So one time, like he brought man, he brought so much fried chicken that they stole out the kitchen and shit. You know what I mean? He came down. He said, "Hey Frank, I got something for you. FG, FG, I got something for you. I'm like, What's up, Mike? You know? He like, I don't know how I'm gonna get it to you. I said, I'll get it. What you got? <laughs> and he used to always bless me with stuff, but he had to kind of sneak it to me a little bit. You know what I mean? But he he was a good dude, looked out. But he also what he told me was, if I ever needed to clean some money, I mean, he he had a legit business. He was he was raw. He had a feed though. You know what I mean? You want to clean some bread? You want to clean a couple hundred thousand? I'll write you. My wife will bring a check to you. He was about his shit. You know what I mean? But. Yeah, they gravitated towards him, and they really couldn't afford to not let nothing happen to him because he was the way they ate, you know what I mean? So he did what he wanted to do based on he really had – it wasn't nothing for his pockets to, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I think that um, a lot of people don't understand the, the necessity and the importance of money when you're behind those walls, and I, I understand that Suge Knight is trying to make some deals and do some things, but this $81 million lawsuit – it's really gonna put a, a, a monkey wrench in this program. Uh, no doubt, man. You know, and uh, I'm even wondering if they take any if because it could be in a situation where, like his status, um, it, when people send him money, they can take a percentage of. It. So just even trying to eat the regular, you know, base, you know, it was there. It, it probably be like he would have to have money sent to somebody else's books. And they go to the store and just take him the stuff and he break bread with them because some dudes who owe a lot of money, mm-hmm. they'll take a percent. Like if somebody sent them 300, they're only going to see 150 of it. You know, so you trying to live in here, y'all taking my money because I have a restitution or a judgment against me or something like that. It's not the case for everybody, but I have seen it in, 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 in several cases, you know. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to another topic here. Um, we've been talking about Renee Boxer Enriquez. And uh, the government, I mean, the governor of California made a decision, and I'm not so sure what this decision means, but he didn't, he didn't completely deny him. He said, he said that he is referring this decision to the full board for review on June, just a, just a few days ago, this month in June. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking on that full board review that he want to go back and look at his other reviews look at years ago reviews on what they said about him then compare what they saying about him now what made them 
deny him because he has been denied before by the board. So what made the board deny him back then? So I'm believing and I'm not certain that a full board review is for and they go take all the reviews from all his parole hearings, put them together and see exactly what um what um what medium they can come in as a, if the if the good shit that they wrote outweigh the bad shit that they wrote back and when they were denying him, you know. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to do a little research myself. But what we were expecting to see here, because all the governors, well, the two governors that have been dealing with his case, they have always denied his release, even though the CDC approved it. And what they usually, what the governor usually does is, it, after the CDC grants parole, the governor usually puts down um, a reversal. Uh, parole, let's see, what, let, me, let me read one of these reversals. Yeah, inmates grant of parole was reversed. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what the governor, uh, Governor Newsom and the previous governor have been doing every time, um, just reversing his parole. But this time, this being referred to a full board. So we'll see and uh, we'll tap in with the Streets and Scholars listeners and let you know well, whatever happens with Renee Boxer Enriquez. And you have to tap into a, a few episodes ago when we went we went into more detail about his case. But um, hey, man, let's talk about this whole this whole Nipsey Hustle case, man. Um, to me, man, this is like the biggest story of America to me right now. Hey, man, it is. Man. <laughs> you know, every every channel I turn to on YouTube, they talking about it all day long. You know. Yeah, I mean, Eric Holder, uh, he's been on he's been on trial since last week, and. Um, he he conceded that he did it. Right. There's no that, that's not even part right. of the case. Um, the defense attorney's opening statement. He said, "My guy killed Nipsey Hussle." Right. Right. But we are here to determine whether or not this is a first degree murder. And after you see all the evidence, I believe you will be convinced that this was a manslaughter. So this is this is what this case is all about: um, manslaughter or first degree murder. I want to talk about that, but um, let, let's, let's save that for, um, for let, let's talk about a few other things here. Um, the first witness for the prosecution was Cowboy, AKA Herman Douglas. And I was a little surprised that he came to court. Not only that, not, I'm not surprised he came to court because under subpoena, you're forced to come right, to court. Right. But I was very surprised at how comfortable he was on the stand how he was answering all the prosecution's questions and there definitely was no tension between him and the prosecutor. And what I mean by that is, for example, when Kerry Latham came to testify uh, a couple days later, you can tell he didn't want to be there. Right, right, he right. He didn't want to answer questions. No, I don't remember. I don't recall. I don't, I didn't see. But when Cowboy testified, he was going with the flow no doubt. and pretty much answering every question that the prosecutor had to ask him. And this is a dude, for those who don't know, is he's from 60s. No doubt. No he's doubt. an OG from over there. And he's actually Nipsey's big homie because he was originally known as Thundercat. Mm -hmm. Nipsey was Lil Thundercat. Mm -hmm. So, um, man, th this whole topic of snitching, I, I was just thinking, I was talking to one of my boys in New York the other day, and he said that this whole, I guess, this, this ethic that you hold to, and, you know, I certainly believe in into it to a certain degree my boy was telling me there's no such thing 
you know it's well, all bullshit it's all bullshit alex it's, 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 <laughs> there's no such thing as the code well you know what it's, it's guys that's gonna always stick by it you know and and, and what they're gonna call us is dinosaurs you know people don't do that no more you know what i mean and i've heard so many different terms you know uh, uh being used you know i had little homies tell me that they were in in, in a county jail and uh dude like man you totally man they ain't telling no more man it's called getting off first you know what i mean you know and they didn't have no shame in it and, and you know it's um now with the cowboy situation you know he was big thundercat nipsey was little thundercat you know obviously they had a close personal relationship you know maybe he said you know if this was somebody else if this was another situation i'll stick by the g-code but since this is my buddy this is a friend of mine this was my dog i'm gonna put my neck on the line or, or if not you know what i mean but i'm gonna I'm I'm get up there and say what i need to say for my homeboy for my friend you know and um and in the real world that's what regular people do but in this gangster shit it's a no-no you know and, and it's a no-no man well you know what that's exactly what he said he actually testified saying that if nipsey got killed by another dude from another area from mm-hmm. another hood i wouldn't be here right now oh did he yeah he yeah, did yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah yeah and then he also said um uh, I don't know if it was the defense or the prosecutor asked him about him being a snitch and or no he, they asked him do you feel concerned or worried about yourself being that you're here testifying and pointing out Eric Holder as a shooter and he said if this was 1980 something mm-hmm. and yeah but in 2022 nah ain't yeah. nobody tripping in 2022 about this yeah so uh, do you think that there has been a shift in the way people used to think in the 80s to now we're 30 years later um, into how they view and, and think about snitching and informing? Well, what I believe is I don't think people change their views on it. I think people change their actions on it, you know, because at the same time, you know, you would have to basically be a serial killer if you start, if you take, if you take 20 of the top gangsters in L.A. that, that believe in no snitch and say, you take 100. You know, I said, man, we don't believe in no snitching. We're going to start back cleaning up the streets. Anybody that's a rat, we're going to get them. Bro, you'll be exhausted. You know what I mean? I mean, or they might get y'all ass. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's gangster snitching nowadays. You know what I mean? Of course, we know that, you know. And uh, so I believe that there's so many of them that nobody's willing to put in the work because you would have to put in so much work. You know, basically, you'd be killing yourself or committing suicide or getting a life sentence, even if you get past the first five or six or seven. I mean, just to keep on trying to, you know, it's going to catch up with you basically is what I'm saying. Nobody want to pay that price no more. Yeah. um, I think that the hundred, the top hundred guys you're referring to, or if you even say the top 500 guys in LA, those guys are always going to be outnumbered. No doubt. By by people that are willing to bend the rules. And and like you say, the, 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 the rats aren't leaving no more. The rats are saying, come get me. I'm here. You know, and they're going to shoot it out with you. They're going to fight with you. They're going to do all the stuff that they did when they was a gangster. So um, it, it's he he absolutely right, man. You know, it's, it's, it's watered down in the 2022, man. You know, people are going to talk about you, but I don't got them doing a whole lot. Now, another thing he said on the stand when I was in there, um, when he testified last week, was that he acknowledged what he was doing with snitching. He even said some, I think... Um, I think he said it um, this way. Some people would consider what I'm doing right now snitching, mm-hmm. but I don't care. You know, Nip was the homie. I'm doing this for Nip, you know, and then he went on and explained 
why he was doing it, but he clearly understood, and he even admitted, some will consider what I'm doing is snitching. Well, you know, outside of that part, Alex, I look at it like this, you know, Nip lost his life for basically calling somebody a snitch. You know what I mean? If y'all stood that 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 hard on the rules where Nip, you know, even could have just left it alone. Look, Nip don't deal with this dude. This dude is a dude who pop up, come around, yeah, he from the hood, blah, blah, blah. So this mean they were strict on their principles at the time that you can't even come around us, man, until you clear up your snitching allegation, get your paperwork straight. So my whole point is, and my point only is, dude lost his life behind this shit, behind sweating a rat. Well, I haven't even still seen no paperwork or heard no definite answer if uh, Eric Holder, you know, was a snitch. But dude lost his life behind calling somebody a snitch. You know what I mean? You know, and and, and that, that should mean something. Yeah, I was you just know. thinking that if Nipsey was alive, he would he would not approve what what Cowboy's doing. Well, you know, only Cowboy can make the decision that he made. He made the decision that he made. You know, like I said, he could say, you know, I don't give a damn fuck that this is my homeboy, this is my friend. You know what I mean? And we finna and and and, and this is what it's gonna be. You know what I mean? Because he had plenty of time. He had three years to make up his mind pretty much on how he was gonna handle it. You know what I mean? So how he handled it is how he handled it. But I'm saying on the flip side. This whole shit is over snitching. Nip is dead over, you know, basically calling somebody a rat or telling them to get their paperwork straight. So that means they went by the code of conduct. So I think the code of conduct should still be, you know, relevant, you know. Yes, definitely. uh, You know. Now, what do you think about, um, we've talked about this before on our two previous, we did two previous uh, snitching Defining snitching, ratting, and informing uh, Streets and Scholars episodes. I don't remember which one we discussed this, and maybe it came up in both. But there's always this response by the guy that's snitching that says, they already know everything. Uh, And this is what Cowboy said. Cowboy said, everything's on camera. So they know everything already as as a way to try to minimize his role and his participation in testifying in the trial. Right. Um, you know, we, we've heard this from other people before. No doubt. You know, but like I say, you know, Cowboy chose to do what he chose to do. He a grown ass man. You know, uh, anything we do as men, you know, uh, we have to uh, live with in our life. And at the end of the day, Alice, if Cowboy is comfortable with um, any allegations that anybody speak of on him, you know, he can't feel no kind of way about what people feel about him. On the flip side, though. I don't give a damn if they knew already what happened. We know the rules out here. You know what I mean? The rules out here, I don't give a damn if I seen my brother get knocked down in my face and know exactly who did it. You know, um, um, you can't do it. You know, I've had a situation like that when my son got shot. You know what I mean? And he knew who did it. You know what I mean? But at the same time, son, you know you was in the wrong place. Shouldn't have had your ass there. You don't no shit that's just what it is you know and 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 i hate to have to tell my boy that at 16 years old you know because for a minute he didn't understand but now he he understands clearly you know so um a lot of people will say you're a bad dad you know but at <laughs> the same time you know this is the code of conduct that we were brought up to to, to to live by so um it's more and more everyday people breaking it you know what i mean and and and, and uh no 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 um Compren- uh, uh, <clears throat> no um, repercussions, you know, for the for the for the acts. But at the same time, that don't mean the street code hasn't been violated when people say those type of things or do those type of things. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say that what Herman Douglas did, aka Cowboy, was definitely snitching. 
But I think that because Nipsey Hussle was so loved and that the way he was killed on camera, basically on social media, uh, I think that a, pe- a lot of people are going to give Cowboy a pass for helping prosecute the killer of Nipsey Hussle. And I think a lot of people from the streets are going to give him a pass. No, no doubt. No doubt. I believe that as well. Not to mention um, everything was on camera. You know, I mean, he couldn't get up there basically and just lie. You know what I mean? You know, I, I don't recommend that. You know what I mean? He can't say he wasn't there. He can't say that he didn't see what happened. You know, it's some things he just can't say. But he can do what um, the, no, guy, the guy Rimpaw's doing no, right now. No, no, no doubt. No doubt, no doubt at all. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, he couldn't have got up there and lied. You know what I mean? So the best thing you could have did was not get up there at all. But do everybody have the resources to be on the move like that? Do everybody be had the resources to run or hide or... You know, you know, because I'm sure they going to Rand Paul's every every address they got on him. They they hit no spots. You know what I mean? So it it, it take it, it 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 take more than just packing your bags and leaving when you when you do try to hide. You know, so I mean, like I said, I don't know his whole thought process. You know, maybe he's saying in his mind justice for my little homie under all circumstances. I don't know. You know, I just know what I seen and heard and been listening to in the media, and um, you know. That's what it is. No, I think it's definitely justice for Nipsey from his perspective. He came in there with a jean jacket on that had a Nipsey Hustle mural like painted on the back of the jean jacket. Mm-hmm, did he? And then he had a Nipsey Hustle shirt under okay. the jacket. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he was definitely team Nipsey yeah, when he when yeah. he came and testified. Uh, but one of the things that he did testify about that the cameras don't reveal and don't tell is the conversation between Nipsey Hustle and Eric Holder. Mm-hmm. And only only three people alive witnessed the entire conversation. That's Nipsey Hussle. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. Only two people alive witnessed that conversation. Nipsey Hussle and Rimpaw. It was a conversation. And then, of course, Eric Holder. But he's not going to speak. Right, right. Uh, I doubt he's going to testify. So that was really important for the jury to hear the conversation between Eric Holder and Nipsey Hussle. And Cowboy provided all that information right right so that ain't on camera (laughs) that's not something that he can say they already knew no that comes directly from you and only you and no one else but you because uh rimpaw hasn't from what i understand i don't think rimpaw's even given a statement yeah so um let's just acknowledge that we have one guy rimpaw that is absolutely avoiding a subpoena uh, you know, I overheard some stuff in the court where they, they wanted him to come. Yeah, yeah. They, they want Rimpaw to come, and, and for whatever reason, they can't find him. Mm-hmm. They can't serve him. And I'm just speculating that Rimpaw was like, I'm not testifying about none of this stuff. Right, right, right. So, um, and then what's weird is that I'm looking at um, Instagram and Cowboys making derogatory videos about Rimpaw. Um, I don't know what it's about, but. And, and let's go. That's, let's go into our next topic because he joked about him running. Right, right, right. And if you look at the footage of of the shooting, two people run, um, Rimpaw, and then Carrie Latham's nephew was Shermy Villanueva. Right. Shermy runs north and turns west, and Rimpaw runs sort of east out of the shot of the of the footage, and. Some people are criticizing them for running and leaving Nipsey behind to die. Well, at the end of the day, man, when they heard them guns blazing, I don't know if anybody been up close on a 40, 40 Glock before, but, uh, man, when that thing go off, man, it's boom, boom. I mean, you know, you knocking. So your first, even if you have a pistol, 
your first reaction is to get in a position where you could even shoot back without getting shot. For, that's first and foremost. But if you don't have a pistol, man, you're trying to get out of Dodge. Now, the thing about it was I don't fault him not one bit for running. What I'm hearing, which I don't know if I'm if these are the facts, is that he never came back. Untrue. Okay. Okay. See, and that's what I seen in comments and on Instagram that he left. They saying he left and he never came back. Well, I know for a fact that Shermie Villanueva came immediately back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's actually seen on LAPD body cam. Okay. Um, I don't know if Rimpaw hung around or stood there, but I do believe Rimpaw came back. Okay. Now, this is my thing also. I don't also blame me for leaving again before the police get there. Yeah, that's what gonna, I was going to add that in. No, no, no. What, I'm going to be here for the police get here yeah. for? Man. You know what I mean? I mean, any street motherfucker, no. Dude, I'm not going to be here. You know, now, if the homie is in good enough condition where we can drag him in the car, we taking him to the hospital, and we're going to drag him in there and skirt off. You know what I mean? You know, and uh, and uh, try to get the place off the car, run him in there, drag, drag him in there, and get on. You know what I mean? I know when I got shot, I told the homie, get on. You know what I mean? You know, don't stay here and ask him no questions. It's just, you know. So if he ran initially and came back, but then left before the police came, he all right with me. You know, but some people are saying from what I'm reading, because you know, you could read anything, but they said that he ran and just never came back to even check to see no kind of condition on what Nip was in. You know, and if he did that, then I'm like, damn, homie. Yeah, I, I don't believe he did that, um, but I don't see him on the LAPD body cam when they arrived right so, so what i believe happened is he ran came back and said all right the police is about to pull yeah, up wasn't nothing he can do anyway yeah, I, I need to i need to get out of here yeah and he left okay um shermy stayed and he's all over the uh lapd body right, cam right, talking right. to them and you know having conversation but he definitely had a different attitude when he testified you can tell when, when shermy Villanueva was on the stand different attitude from cowboy yeah. you, can, you can tell that cowboy had a rapport with the prosecution at, as if he knew all the questions that were going to be asked but when mr Villanueva got up there you could, he was short right right question answers were short um you could tell he didn't want to be there he even denied knowing eric holder and um hey you know he, he might some of these answers may not have been all truthful well the thing about it is that's why you get on before they come like I said, if he was good enough to go to the hospital, let's get him to the hospital. You know what I mean? If, he, if it's over, it's nothing you can do. Well, let me ask you this. Um, Nipsey Hussle's brother, Black Sam, mm -hmm. rushed to the scene, and the footage shows him doing chest compressions, trying to save his brother's life. And if you're there with the homie's brother and he's trying to save the life, but you know the police is about to pull up in 10 minutes, do you help the homie's brother? Or do you just say, hey, I got to bounce? No, nah, if he's still alive, I'm going to help the homie brother. If you know, you know. Now, if I shot back, you know, and say hit somebody, then the homie got to know, hey, look, dude, I got to get on. You got the GSR yeah, all yeah, over your hand. I got to get on. You know what I mean? You know, hope everything work out right here. You know what I mean? And that's just, that, uh, I know some of the listeners will be like, damn, you guys are so cold. <laughs> no, but that's just how the shit go. That's gangster shit. Yeah. That's how people been surviving all these years. You know what I mean? And, 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 um, but. I would stay there even if I shot somebody. If I was the one doing the compressions and I know he still has some heart left, I'd take whatever I'm going to take for, for my crime to keep pressing until the ambulance get there to see if we can save the homie. I will do that. If somebody already on it, hey, listen, homie, I, I got to bounce, you know. And, um, and um, 
that's just how you know the shit supposed to go. Yeah. So so this whole idea of running when a dude and, and by the way, Eric Holder popped off his forty eight times. And he had a revolver. And he had a revolver that he popped off. I don't know how many number of times he popped that off, but there were eight 40 caliber casings Mm. right there on the ground. So that's eight, you know, he did, including whatever he did with the revolver. And for those who don't know, I mean, your your natural instinct is to take cover. No doubt. And I agree with you. I have no problem with both of these guys running for safety and then coming back to assess what happened. Right. Um, So... uh, I don't know why, why Cowboy's making fun of, of Rimpaw for running. He, he put a, a video up that said this dude ran like Carl Lewis. Well, but I didn't, I didn't, it, it didn't move me. Well, double check to see if Rimpaw came back. I will. You know, and like I say, if he didn't come back, then yeah, I got to change my whole perspective on him. You know what I mean? But if he did, he come back to at least check, at least to see dude gone, you know. And, um, and, um, but it was, Somebody else was shot. Who was that, Kerry? Yeah, Kerry Lathan was shot in the back, and he was laying there on the ground as well. He couldn't get back on his feet. Right, right. So then you still got a homie that's alive. So you got to come back, and you got to, to some point, you got to help out, you know. So I wasn't, you know, wasn't there. I only know what I seen on video and stuff like that. But at the same time, um, hey, you know, it's gonna be it's going to be a wild ride through this whole case. Now, let me ask you about another topic that c- came up in this trial. Um, and I'm a little surprised that this is going on because, you know, I've, I've sat in on many trials and I've, uh, I've worked on many trials. But in this particular trial, there is no family present on either side, um, meaning the victim and mm-hmm. the defendant. Usually the victim's mom is there at trial or the father or, you know, a sister, a brother, a cousin nobody um nipsey has a, a mom and dad that are mm-hmm. that are still alive doing well they're not there um we all know about black sam his brother sam one day he ain't showing up he actually did an interview for kcal news here in la mm-hmm. and he said that he's not come, going to the trial oh okay and he's got a grandmother and lauren london he has a child with nipsey right. none of these people came to court and then on eric holder's side nobody's coming to court what do you think about this this whole lack of family in this case you know what, man? They lost a child, man. They lost a brother. They lost a uh, um, father, you know. And I've never seen where it was at least somebody in the court, aunties, aunts, grandmothers, mother, brother. I haven't seen that either, but maybe they just all agreed on it to be best if we just let the trial take place, you know. Don't let nobody get, you know, pictures and photos of our emotions and, you know, to run with other stories with, you know what I mean? To, you know, because some people to take a picture of Nip Mom and make a whole YouTube story about it, you know, just to, to get some views, you know. So with social media and, and media itself is what it is today. I'm thinking they made it just all said, hey, we going to sit it out, let the process go through it. Plus, we don't even want to go through every single aspect of this one more time to see how he got shot, to see what this guy's mindset was, to see that his, hear that his spine was severed, hear all this stuff again. So um, I believe it probably was just a tactic that the family took to ensure themselves, man, that, you know, they don't be caught up in no emotions or media play. With their lack of presence, it, it kind of makes it seem like they don't really care whether or not Eric Holder's even convicted. You know, I believe that they probably have faith that he will be. You know, um, but it still has to be somebody out there that hope that he doesn't. You know what I mean? You know, the G's out there like, man, let this dude off. 
You know, the G's would prefer that this dude is get out on the street, you know. So street justice can be served in their minds, you know. So um, maybe everybody don't want to see him um, go down, you know. So, um, but I don't think that they don't care. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't reach that far for me to say that. I just maybe think they took an agreement that they don't want to go through the emotional ro- a roller coaster no more. Now, when your brother was killed, did they catch the shooter and did he have a trial? No. Okay. No. Nope, now, if they did catch him and do one on trial, would you have went to court? I'm sure I would. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. I would have been there. Yeah. Yeah. And for all these years, um, your brother's homicide is unsolved. It's unsolved. Yeah. 30, 32. That was in 1990, 32 years ago. But over the years, you've uh, connected the dots and pretty much figured no it out. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. It took me a minute, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Connected them dots, man. Because like you said, when you're out here in these streets, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just, I'm surprised that they didn't even do one appearance, maybe the mom or the dad or even Sam, just because of the number of cases that I've been on. And, and there's always um, the grieving family members that want to see the system work for them right um nobody nobody showed up you, well, know? you know that's strange I, I didn't know that until you told me that you know what i mean i didn't even think to ask because most of the time family is there so i didn't even think to ask where they at court i just assumed they were yeah well you know i'm not gonna hold it against um black sam or anyone i'm sure they have i'm sure if i sat down with them and they would explain something that will make me understand better i'm just saying i, I haven't seen it right 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 and right. it's unusual and even Eric Holder, he doesn't have anybody there. Um, sometimes the defendant has family there. And when they usually do in court is the family of the defendant sits on one side. Right, right, and the family right. of the victim sits on another side, so they're not really interacting. Well, you know, I can see nobody's showing up for um, Eric Holder, you know, because I believe every family member believe they're a target. They show up at that court, you know, because yeah. that's what kind of situation. It's gang shit, you know what I mean? So take your ass in there if you want. Oh, you his people? You know, because that's how mad people are, you know. Well, man, this is one of the most secure courtrooms that you're going to walk into, you no, know. No, that's, that's in the courtroom, yeah. you know what I mean? When you talk about leaving and getting around the corner or even just writing somebody license plate down in the parking lot or anything. Or showing your face. Showing your face, yeah. you know. Somebody might know you. She live over there on uh, 53rd or something, you know, and, you know, people are hot. L.A. is hot, you know. California is hot. I, I mean, I was nip, you know. I was talking to one of the detectives on the case during one of the breaks, and he told me that they were expecting a whole bunch of gang members to be here and that they were going to have to, you know, maintain order. Right, right, right. And it hasn't even been like that. You know, it's been quiet. It's been not even packed the last couple of days and going pretty much relatively smooth, you know. Hey, you know, like I say, they're going to probably let the system play out. But at the same time, you know, a lot of gang members stop showing up at court because when those gang detectives in there, they writing down who showed up. They writing down. And then, like you say, when when stuff get to rocking and rolling, those names are on that list. Well, he was at court. He was at court. You know, some people can, you know, it's it's, it's, it's like you said, I think they just going to let it play out. You know, see, we'll see what comes of it. Okay. And um, the last part of this case I wanted to talk to you about is. The star witness, her name is Branita Nicholson, and this is the girl that drove Eric Holder, and a lot of people thought that she was going to get charged and, and, you know, have to deal with some sort of criminal punishment, but she's the star witness for the prosecution, and she has never been, she's never been charged, and she's never been suspected at all mm-hmm. in any wrongdoing in Nipsey's death, and she just finished testifying. 
Yeah, um, her testimony, which I what I didn't get to hear though, but just from um, me hearing the prosecutor talk about it, and he talked about how willing she was to cooperate and everything they asked her to do. You know, these are detectives. These dudes been doing this a very long time. They good at their job. Had they felt she had any kind of involvement in it, believe me, they would be holding her for something. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And and they must truly believe that she don't honestly just was naive and didn't really, you know, put things together like you know this was gonna happen because at the end of the day, everybody got a gun when they meet a female. You know what I mean. So that's for females nowadays. That's not even nothing to you know what I mean. Think twice about you know. But um, I believe her testimony must have been. Um, honest and truthful and they believed her yeah in fact she has a an agreement with the prosecutor that if anything she testifies or anything that they find out about her is a lie that mm. she that she provided she goes to jail so she's been they're just trying to show in court that this woman has been honest right 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 since day one you know no doubt and fully cooperative in fact when she was getting interrogated by the lapd i believe that would have been like on april 2nd or 3rd a mm. few days after this happened they told her call Eric right now, and 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 talk to him, and she did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Eric didn't. He, I guess Eric just learned that. Well, maybe that might be in his paperwork that in the discovery that right, she right, called. Right. But but we're we're learning that for the first time as a you know as a journalist as a trial watcher, we're learning that she called Eric for the police even though he didn't know, mm-hmm, and it was to in order to get him into custody. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So she cooperated with even that. Now let me ask you this quick part. They saying, is it true that he turned himself into some kind of mental or or checked into some kind of mental facility prior? That is true, actually. I mean, that's that's that may have some weight on um, you know, this case. You know, if they can find out any kind of, you know, real mental issues, you know, correlate with you know him and um this shooting. I mean, it could go go it can go different than people think. Well, you gotta have a real good lawyer to know how to argue. Right, those right, things right. In. And the prosecutor, and he got a public defender. He got a public yeah. defender, but the public defender is a pretty sharp guy. Yeah, he seemed like he holding his. Well, just from the you know what I'm seeing, you yeah. know what I mean. Seemed like he's he's standing up trying to you know fight his case. He's trying to you know utilize any tools that are available to him, but you know I was talking to one of my um, older guys that I know that's you know been in been going to prison this guy's been going to prison on and off for like 40 something years Mm -hmm. and he tells me that a lot of those dudes in the county jail that put that yellow jumper on and and take pills he said he said half them people is faking it no no doubt no (laughs) doubt you know they're doing that because they want to look like that for the trial you know if they if they're in there for something serious so they're trying to get win sympathy with that so you know the system knows how people take advantage of you know certain things so i don't know if him checking himself into this mental thing is relevant i know it hasn't come up in trial yet right but you know we still got a few days um maybe next week and this trial is going to be over but um i just wanted to emphasize that Bernita nicholson i want to i want to explain everything she did for those who think that she is involved Mm. She gave her cell phone up mm-hmm. and let them do a data dump. Mm-hmm. She gave her car up and let them search her entire car. She approved the search of her apartment and her mom's apartment. Mm-hmm. And um, she sat there and got interrogated by two LAPD detectives that have over 60 years experience combined for four and a half, five four. hours. Exactly. 
And she also sat with the prosecutor downtown. And I think that was a, maybe a two hour interview. Mm-hmm. So after all of this was done, they determined that she played absolutely no role in the murder of Nipsey Hussle. But there's still people out there that believe she she's involved in some kind of way. And it's just a trip. It's making me realize that people make their determinations first rather than listen to the information to make their determination. No doubt. But sometimes when people limited on information, you know, you kind of really wonder, because if you were to, to tell me without telling me that if you were to tell me that she wasn't um, um, accused of anything. Before you told me that she sat down with the prosecutor, she sat down with the police for four and a half hours, she let them do the dump, searched her mama's house, searched her house. Had you not t- gave me this information, I would say she you know, she knew what time it was, you know. And, um, and um, but it's possible that she don't. It's just that's our first way of thinking that because a lot of times a dude gonna say nothing to lay this fool down. You know what I mean? You knew something where then you could have took off and you didn't. You know it was certain shit, but after you gave me that information, hey man, I'm gonna believe it because she can't fool all them. I'm gonna just be honest with you. She can't. And I personally spoke to Detective Washington. He's the lead detective on this case during one of the breaks. And and I was joking with him. I said, if this was 1985, y'all would have put a case on her. Yeah, they sure would (laughs) have. And he agreed with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She would have been fighting this case right with him. Yeah. Um, But also, another thing that maybe a lot of people don't know is that when the shooting happened, she was in a car in the alley about a half a block away. So she never saw the shooting. Right, right, right. She heard the shooting, but she didn't see the shooting. And another thing that was interesting, I don't think um, that not a lot of people know this, is that he attempted to pull his gun out earlier when they drove around the corner to do like a drive-by. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she stopped him. She said, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, right, 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 what, right. You pulling a gun out? He, and he was actually loading the magazine up, and then he had the gun like hanging like he was about to bust. And she said, nah, what are you doing? You, you, you're not going to shoot out of my car. And then he said, okay. And then he said, just go park so I could eat my chili fries. So then they went around to the Fat Burger, which is on Crenshaw, but it's, it's close to the alley. And they parked in that parking lot. Well, actually, they parked in the alley by the Fat Burger. And he started eating his chili fries. And then she testified that about after maybe he took three servings, he said, wait here, I'll be right back. And then he walked off, did his thing and then jumped in the car and then told her drive off. So that's how it all went down. Right. I don't I don't think a lot of people know, you know, those little events that took place. And if you knew more about it, then you'll see how she had nothing to do with it. But then some people will say, "Oh, when he pulled that gun out, when he drove around and came on Slauson, then you knew he had a gun." And it's true. That's that's the f- moment when she first realized he had a gun. And some people are saying, "Well, she should have just kept driving." But she never knew that he had any animosity towards Nip. Right, right, right. You know, so it's just um, the expectations that people have, I think, are just unreasonable. And um, they just don't make sense. Hey, you know, people going to blame who they can blame, Al, especially when it's their people. You know what I mean? Because it was my people, I feel the same way. Like, she definitely has something to do with it. But that's just because this is my people. You know what I mean? You know, feelings are going to get involved and you're going to just feel... She got something to do with it just because you was with the dude. But just know? think about back in the day when you was on the streets really heavy doing your thing. And, and I, know, I know a lot of homies done this from time to time. You have a broad drive you around sometimes. No doubt. Hey, can you take me over here? Hey, can you drop me off over here? You're not telling her 
who live in this house, where I'm going or who I'm about to talk to. Right. right. No, no doubt. You, you keep absolutely. her in the dark as much as you can. You're absolutely correct. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so, but I'm saying from a, from a, from a grieving homie or a grieving brother or a grieving family member, she has something to do with it. That's just automatic. How you're going to think, you know what I mean? I'm, I, and I'm not exempt from that. You know what I mean? I want everybody who was driving, get her too. If you know what I mean? That's just the reality of it. And, uh, but once you, because how could she not know in your mind? But until they get the trial, you start hearing all these different evidence and some of the stuff I had heard about the shooting originally was nowhere near even true, you know, from originally what I heard when it happened, you know what I mean? So, you know, the facts is coming out. And, and lastly, before we wrap up this episode, I just wanted to talk about the difference uh, manslaughter and murder, which is really what this case is all about. The right. prosecution's trying to get a first degree premeditated murder. The defense is trying to say this was a homicide that was inspired or influenced by the snitch conversation that happened between Eric Holder and Nipsey Hussle. And the prosecution is, I'm sorry, yeah, the prosecution is, they're, they're not denying that, but they're still saying that even though it only took about f five to eight minutes from that conversation to the shooting, it's still premeditated murder, according to the prosecution. And the defense is trying to say, wait, hold up. You know, this this guy got triggered from that conversation and this should be a manslaughter. Well, I'm wondering which I was thinking about earlier, because I'm trying to see what's the normal time frame that they give you between um, crime of passion and you had enough time to think about it. What is that time limit? You know what I mean? I was thinking about that earlier. Eight, nine minutes. I'm like, damn, that's a that's a nice little chunk of time. But shit moves fast. So like you say, he went around the corner, did this, jumped out. You know, he was still hot. He was still mad. You know, of course, like right now, you know. And, uh, and um, so I can't say that it was too much time. But I'm just wondering what they usually label as the time limit is too much. I don't think there's a time limit. It's just based on the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And the way the prosecution's laying it out, they're almost saying that Eric Holder should have shot Nipsey immediately. And then I might have gave him a um Right, <laughs> a right, 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 right. But you also have to calculate the time. He was waiting for the food at Masterburger. So as soon as he got to the parking lot, he went to Masterburger first, ordered some food. Then he came out and walked over to Nipsey, Cowboy, and Rimpaw, had a short conversation that lasted about four minutes there. Mm -hmm. Then he went back into the Master Burger, got the food. Then he walked into the car with Bernita, and then they drove around. They did a whole lap right, around right, the, right. the whole block. And then she said, no, don't do He pulled the gun out. She says, no, don't do that. What are you doing? And then he says, all right. They pull back around and they park. He eats his chili fries for a, about a minute or so, and then he tells her, wait right here, I'll be right back, and then goes boom, 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 comes back to the car and left. That's pretty much the whole thing. Right. That took about eight minutes, I believe. Right. Um, so I think it's tough to argue a manslaughter with eight minutes, but let me before I wrap up, I want to remind everyone, look up DeAndre Bond's case. Mm -hmm. DeAndre Bond was a famous actor. Um, was doing his thing in the 90s and early 2000s. He had just got a role in this movie called Guy Fisher mm -hmm. that was, um, I believe Denzel was directing it or Denzel was connected to this movie some kind of way. He got a, a role in that movie. 
he came and he's from LA and he's the only actor to ever play a blood and a crip. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he, he went to his auntie's house and the boyfriend was out there and he, he pulled up with the music playing loud. The boyfriend started mouthing off at DeAndre Bonds and he beat DeAndre Bonds up, the boyfriend. DeAndre Bonds a little guy, the boyfriend's a big dude. So DeAndre Bonds comes to, I think they get into it again and he, he knocks him out again. At some point, DeAndre Bonds got so pissed, he walked into that house, he found the knife in the kitchen, he came back outside, and he stabbed the dude to death. They charged him with first-degree murder mm. back in 2001. He went on trial. Now, I don't know how many minutes it took him to go into the house, find the knife, and come out, but it definitely took a couple minutes. Right. The jury found him guilty of manslaughter. And he got the max, which was 11 years. And that's the max. It's still the max. If Eric Holder is convicted of manslaughter, the max is 11. So I say all of that as an example of a guy that killed the dude. They tried to give him first degree murder. They tried to say this is premeditated. You had plenty of time to get in that car and leave. But you decided to walk in that house, find a knife, come back and stab him. That was shorter than nine minutes, right, right, right. but it was still a couple still, of minutes. Yeah. So he ended up getting the manslaughter and he did 11 years and uh, he got out, I think, in 2018. But I do think there is a possibility of thinking about this case as a manslaughter. But I do think this window of time might be too long. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm agree with you on that one. OK, totally. I'm a totally agree. Because when I said hurt eight, nine minutes, I'm not going to eat that up. Now, what if it was? four minutes well it is i'm not gonna go per se by the minutes had he went to the car got that thing went back no matter how far the car was parked if it took two minutes to get to the car and two minutes to get back i'm gonna justify that as far as you know you know what he trying to do get the manslaughter because he's he has to go get his tool and that's how long it took him um but the fact that he walked to get a tool sometimes people say that's enough to to, to be premeditated I mean, they could say it he won't, but I, I mean, personally, if you asking me, I would have said, okay, I could feel that. He went and got that thing, came right back and did his thing. He didn't eat no food. He didn't go around no corner. He didn't tell her hold down. He didn't he didn't make all these decisions first. You know what I mean? So um, we're going to see how it play out. Well, lastly, I would say when he came around on, you know, when, when they drove all the way around the first time and he pulls the gun out, if he would have shot Nipsey from the car at that point, that would have been like just a few minutes. That would have been like three or four minutes later. Right. But because he, they drove back around, parked by the Fat Burger, got into the alley, started eating the chili fries, that started using up more minutes. No doubt. So um, the girl stopping him the first time may have messed up his, his chances of getting uh, manslaughter. I'm just, you know, just thinking it out. Well, not to mention, had he shot from the car, he probably wouldn't have been as accurate as he was by walking up on him. So that's another point yeah, that so I was thinking. He might not even be fighting a murder right now. Hey, if if she didn't stop him from shooting from the car, maybe nobody even no, dies. Nobody dies. He busts yeah. about three or four shots and they drive off. Right. Because you know, from that distance, uh, it, it, you know, from the street to where they were standing in the parking lot, that, that is, you got to be an amazing shot. No doubt. You know. So. But he thought about it. He he thought about I'm I'm gonna shoot shoot yeah, from this yeah, distance. Yeah, he's gonna bust from right there. Yeah, and, and he would have been in a much better situation because I, I don't agree anyone would have died right. unless you got a lucky shot. Right. And um, he would have still he would have been looking at less what uh, attempted murder. Attempted murder. Yeah.
All right, man, man, we, we could talk about this case for a whole nother hour, but we're going to wrap up this episode of Streets and Scholars. Uh, holla at my boy F General One on Instagram, FG Unleashed on YouTube. Anything coming up on your YouTube channel? I, see. I, I finally got to see you and your sons on there. That was that was actually dope. Oh, I'm surprised that more people ain't really tapped in with the um, the father son conversations. Hey man, you know they was in my DMs and man they were saying a lot of good stuff. But like I said, I just got to get you know more videos out there, be more consistent, you know, and uh, keep them coming so people can know to keep going and check for me. So you know it's a process for me. And I'll try to post some some uh, Eric Holder trial updates on my channel, Street TV. And thanks for tapping in with another fire episode of Streets and Scholars. <laughs>